This is the Only Human podcast from Community Radio 4 Z out of Brisbane, Australia. Only Human on 4ZZZ and Z Digital, and you were just listening to a piece by Linda Neal. I'm here with Linda Neal and everyone else in the studio today, <laughs> and that was a piece called? Well, it was originally called Leaving Rishikesh, but now I call it Gandhi's Lament. It has a story with it. I, um, I, was, in, I was in India on a fellowship staying at Delhi in 2005, and I, I decided I'd take my violin with me although I was on a writing fellowship. And I was staying up at Rishikesh, and that's where a lot of the ashrams are, and people go to sort of do yoga and meditation. And I was visiting a friend who was staying in an ashram, and I was, I was write, I'd written a lot of songs on the violin, strumming it like a little ukulele and writing songs. And I was playing it um, to one of my friends who was staying in an ashram, and I got chucked out of the ashram by one of the gurus for playing my own music and not... Um, not a rag or a um, meditation thing. So I was feeling quite um, forlorn that day and I was walking back down towards where my hotel where I was staying and I had my violin with me. And I stopped off at an internet cafe overlooking the Ganges River. And I happened to run into a Belgian monk there that I used to see on my way um, to breakfast in the mornings. And he said, oh, you've promised me to play some music for me on your violin. So we were, we were standing on the, um, the deck of this internet cafe and the Ganges River was below us and I took the violin out and I was going to play something that I already knew. And then I saw this, what looked like a body in the river, lashed to a sort of cross made out of sort of, um, you know, wood or timber from trees. And I said to the um, guys who owned the internet cafe, my God, is that a is that a dead body in the river? And he said, oh, yes, don't worry about that. We see them here all the time. You know, they the, they go up, they're, they're from up the, um, the source of the river and the, they get knocked in by robbers and they just keep floating down. And I said, doesn't anyone, you know, fish them out? And they said, well, we can't get them because if we try and fish them out, the police will think we killed them. And I, and I said, what happens to the bodies? And they said, well, they'll just keep going till they get to Varanasi which was like four days away. So, and then as I, they were telling me this story, we saw another body coming down, swirling in the eddies of the river. And I was just so t- touched and taken by this story that these bodies were going to probably be eaten by vultures by the time they got to Varanasi and that no one was remarking on their passing. So I was sort of very moved and I got the violin out and I just started playing this just making up this music that I thought was like a funeral song for the bodies in the river. And that was the original of that song. And I kept playing it and playing it while I was in India and it developed into that piece. So it was amazing having an instrument where on the spot you could just 
compose something that deeply affected you at the time mm. and it sort of remains with you to this day and now I'm in Brisbane playing it on the radio. <laughs> and it does speak volumes to that the sound of the violin and with your words it really creates a picture. You know, it's it's very amazing. And I would say that the books that you've written do also tell amazing stories. And the one that you the, your first book was um, called Learning to Breathe. Learning How to Breathe. Learning How to Breathe. It was published um, in 2009. But the title is intriguing. Can you tell me how you came up with that title? Well, the, the story is a, a memoir about my return to Brisbane to look after my mother, who'd um, taken ill, and she'd been a singing teacher. And she was actually, while I was there, was... You know, I, I stayed to be her carer. And uh, she eventually got diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. But she'd been a very active singing teacher and she'd written a lot of um, texts about music. And when I used to, when I went there, I used to sing my, I'd been writing a lot of songs. And she would help me with my breath because breath and learning how to breathe is very important. It's sort of the foundation of singing. And um, literally, the the book that I wrote can, is about learning how to breathe because it contains extracts from articles my mother had written about singing teaching for over 25 years that she had published in the Queensland Music Teachers um, Association newsletter, which came out every month. So throughout these 25 years of articles, there was this enormous amount of material on um, the voice and, and how to breathe and how to make singing and what singing means. And it was like she'd written a book but over 25 years and because it was just articles and mum was a sort of busy mother and busy with teaching, she never would have thought to write a book. So when I wrote the book, I was able to integrate a lot of her material and sort of give her the platform that she you know, didn't have by writing her own book. And so that's literally about the story of my mother's singing teaching mm. but it was also about learning how to breathe in and out through life's you know crises and ups and downs so there was a sort of metaphorical meaning too and you tell a story in the book about um the actual uh yearly singing afternoon when the ladies would all come along with their accoutrements in their bags and um do wonderful performances in your mother's house? Well, it was incredible, you know, this is before The Voice, before The X Factor, before any of these other mm. reality shows about people singing. We had people singing in the house from the time I was born and Mum used to tell a story that she'd be at the, at the piano singing and we'd all be crawling around her feet. So we were used to just people coming and bursting into song in the house. and. At the time, you know, we were totally embarrassed by people coming and singing spontaneously in the house. But looking back, you know, it's an incredible thing that happened. And one of these rituals that used to happen every year was mum would, ha we'd call it mum's annual musical day. And she'd invite mainly women like her, you know, housewives and mothers and people who, you know, weren't at the conservatorium or the universities. They were just in the suburbs learning how to sing pursuing their dreams of singing, singing the songs they loved. And so they'd come to our house every year with their um, fans and 
wigs and makeup and and throughout the day they'd all get up and sing and mum would mostly play the piano and then we'd the kids would be wheeled out to play the I'd get wheeled out to play violin solos and I was so totally embarrassed but <laughs> it was like this incredible energy that I took for granted but it was an incredible chance to look back at those things when I was writing the book about how this was a soundtrack to our lives growing up mm. and that it's a wonderful thing to grow up with so much not just the music from CDs or you know streaming or whatever happens now mm. but music that people are actually making for real in your house so that you actually learn to appreciate that things are not perfect that things have their own energy that things just happen spontaneously they don't have all have to be cleaned up and made you know everyone doesn't have to sing in tune people just need to express themselves and they did it so mm. and singing is the ultimate expression isn't it i i find that um i sing quite a bit i don't sing very well but um if i've um got a good song that i want to share with people i don't i don't mind singing it i've um go on share one now oh, um i went to singing group recently and they uh one of the songs that one of the people brought along was How Much Is That Doggy in the Window? <laughs> and so An oldie but a goldie. The, the singing teacher, Elizabeth Lord, said, well, this, this song can be much more than a kid's little song. She said the way that Peggy, was it Peggy Lee sang that originally? Oh, right, yes. She said the way she sang that, it was really different. You've got to feel the song. So, um, Okay. How much is that doggy in the window? Woof, woof, woof. The one with the waggly tail. Woof, woof, woof. How much is that doggy in the window? I do hope that doggy's for sale. And I sang that to my daughter and she said, so how long has that been a sexy song? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, well, you know, it's just the way, the, the turn of the of the... You know, the rhythm and the, the It's voice. all in the breath. Yeah, in the breath. Or the breathiness. Yes, yes. That makes it sexy. Yes. Um, that was we lovely, might, Madonna. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we might um, skip to another song. We've got... Um, We've got... I think I've got Beautiful on the Inside. Would you like to tell us about the song? Um, well, actually, if you play the, another one, I can tell you. That, have you got the work of love there? the only one that we couldn't download oh okay <laughs> so i can't tell you that story <laughs> um well this this song just came from sitting at the piano i am not a pianist but um i just find if you have an instrument with you and you plonk around a strum long enough a song will come and um i guess the words to this are about people that can be beautiful on the inside as we all know it's not just about outside things and so there's lots of sort of high angelic singing in this and low sort of almost talking singing in it so and it's got a friend of mine Clace Pierce from Byron Bay fantastic string player playing viola on it and it was recorded on the Steinway Grand at the ABC studios in Sydney nice make the heart your professor in my academy of skin lay your scars like jewels before me I see your beauty lies within 
over. The flags of peace start to unfurl. You know I've been a soldier for love. Now I just want to be your girl. 'Cause you're so beautiful and wise on the inside. Don't be ashamed of your perfection. You're beautiful. Your resurrection, though I know your heart will still bleed, 'cause you're so beautiful and real on the inside. Don't be ashamed of your perfection. You're beautiful and. Only Human on 4ZZZ and Z Digital and you were just listening to Linda Neal's song Beautiful on the Inside which is just gorgeous and we're going to be chatting to her a bit more about um, her next project so Madonna. 
Um, that's such a beautiful song. Thank you, Linda. Um, People Are Kind is the title of your book that you're working on at the moment, and I love this because it's so optimistic. And Nick Cave sings, People Ain't No Good. Do you think that he was just having a bad day? I think Nick goes up and down, doesn't he, like all of us. But um, it's interesting because it was actually taken from um, something that a woman said to me who was working in my house. She was coming to work as a cleaner and she was from um, South Sudan. And I was talking to her about her experiences as as a refugee and, and, you know, escaping from South Sudan. And if anyone had the right to say that people were no good, it was her. But she used to say to me, people are kind, Linda, people are kind. And I just thought that was just a wonderful sort of mantra that if she could have that um, feeling despite all her experiences, then it was worth exploring as a sort of way to sort of approach life. And it was this, I wrote an original story called People Are Kind about these cleaners that came to help me one winter when I was having a lot of trouble and I really noticed and I guess before I um, had some health problems I was you know very busy and independent and worked worked very hard on a lot of things and you don't notice so much what the effect of people being caring and kind towards you has but that winter I had the experience because I was at home and people were coming into my home helping me and it just made such a difference to my health to my mood not just feeling better but actually becoming better Mm. and I thought this is not nothing this is very tangible what's happening here so I wanted to explore the whole concept starting with that but also moving out into the world seeing how the exchanges of care and kindness between people in all different contexts really has an amazing effect on the person, on the community and on the world. Mm. And you say it's what we do for each other that counts. My mother said that. Oh, your mother. Well, well she said, I, I actually quote her in the, um, in the first book that um, I was leaving to go away on a trip somewhere mm. and she just said, you know, it's all very well having nice words and... Um, nice sentiments but it's what we do for each other that counts and it's so true but also it's what we feel towards another that counts it's what we think about another that counts yeah a connection or a a relationship or a sharing of a smile it can be just very simple very simple and and it's very powerful Mm. so I'm looking at all sorts of um, people who are in the caring professions but also people who have experience what the effect of kindness and help towards them has has done and also one of the interviewees in my book is a researcher from the Queensland Brain Institute and we were discussing the effects of kindness on not just receiving kindness but giving kindness Mm. on the stress levels in the brain and how kindness becomes a sort of stress protector and can help ward against developments of lots of neurological illnesses that are becoming more and more prevalent. So you think kindness and giving kindness and receiving kindness leads to happiness? I think it it leads to happiness but it leads to so many other things mm-hmm. and I think it leads to joy, I think it leads to 
feelings of security. I think it leads to feelings of being belonging. I think it's many faceted what it can do. Mm. And where are you writing this book, Linda? Where, where is your workspace? My workspace is the Corinda Library. And it's interesting because I use, I go to my local library and I've discovered what an incredible social hub libraries are. And it's kindness in action every day at the library. And I like being around all the people who come in and out while I work. The librarian used to, always laughs at me going, how can you concentrate when there's so much going on? And I said, it actually helps me concentrate because it feels that life's going on around me while I'm doing this quite, you know, solitary thing of writing a book. So I've availed myself of the public utilities that are available to me. And, and they're available to everyone. And they're so comfortable these days. You know, Incredible. Beautiful furniture and you know, great, great facilities. And nobody says, shh, anymore. Mm-hmm. There's just sort of lot people talking on phones and, you know, kids. I went in there one day and, and there was a sort of rock trio entertaining the children who were doing sort of pogo dancing <laughs> on the library floor and I thought wow libraries have certainly changed (laughs) that's for sure they really have um and this next song Linda um it's called sorry yep sorry could you tell us a little about it um well this song I wrote after I think I wrote this song after I went through a period of being my mum's carer and I went through a lot of crises with the hospital system and with the medical system it was a very traumatic period and at the end I just sort of felt that I'd, you know, I admitted that I'd become sort of a monster and you become a sort of monster when you're caring because you care so much and I want to say this to all the carers out there, you can't always be sort of placid and kind because, you know, you've got your loved one's well welfare at heart. So mm. I just, after that period ended, I just thought I need to say a blanket apology to everyone that I've pissed off. So... I wrote this song called Sorry and I used the violin. It's good that we're playing this song because it's a complete contrast to the opening violin song about the Ganges River which was using the bow and here I plucked the violin like a, strummed the violin like a little ukulele and I did this long before ukuleles were cool. Stand here for a hundred 
Z and Z Digital, and we were just listening to another of uh, Linda Neal's songs. That one was called Sorry, and it was just beautiful. But now we're going to talk a bit more about her books. Um, and also, um, Linda has done other things apart from writing books and being a musician and traveling, caring for her mother. She was also the artist in residence for a year at the ABC RN, and during that time, she did something pretty remarkable. It was a year of singing love songs. Yes, it was actually the new media artist in residence, to be exact. But I used to just say artist in residence. But yes, one of my projects for the year was doing a tour of people's lounge rooms, mm-hmm. doing my songs, no mics, no electricity, just people in lounge rooms telling s- stories like I am today and singing my songs like you've heard today. And I and I just, it was sort of uh, an experience and I documented the whole journey about how people felt before 
the the concert start and and how they felt at the end and it was a way of exploring the effect again of singing about emotional things has on people and community cohesion and things like that and it was it was an amazing experience and I made two documentaries about it and I gave about probably 50 concerts in the year and it was the tour was just arranged I'd go to one person's house give the concert and then through that I'd get the people would contact me from that to arrange the next one so I wanted to do it in a way that was completely organic completely electricity free completely acoustic completely real so however I felt that night that was how I had to be and I'd done a lot of you know I grew up in orchestras where everything was very ordered and set and you had to sort of play perfectly and then I I played in bands uh, with the violin with plugged into electric to uh, electric system sound systems and then to do something without any of that just real was an incredible experience it was terrifying sometimes because another thing is when you're on a stage you're sort of there's a distance between you and the audience but when you're in someone's home you actually have to go under you have to go and meet them at mm. that level there's no separation so it, it was like it was like a mindfulness experience over the whole year mm. and what would your favorite love song be well i like that sorry because it's like a blanket apology it just mm. sort of um it sort of has so much need for in life to sort of say sorry but I just want to tell you a quick story mm. about that I was in Paris a few years ago and I played that song at a, at a um, little concert I did in Paris and there was this Austrian man then saying he wouldn't and I would get the people to sing I'm sorry at the end I'd get the whole audience to sing I'm so sorry I'm so sorry he said I will not say I'm sorry I am not sorry I, why do I have to say I'm sorry and he just couldn't say I'm sorry and I thought, is it a cultural thing? What's going on here? <laughs> it was just so dramatic that he wouldn't not, he just did not want to say, I'm sorry. That's hilarious. I thought it was really <laughs> funny. Very. Um, so the documentaries you make, are they radio documentaries or are they, you know, film or? They are radio documentaries I made. And I think, I think they might still be available on the ABC archive somewhere. Um, Yes, there were there were two. It was I made a um, a documentary about traveling the world, singing love songs, and then the second one was about doing the lounge room tour. So it was again taking it from the sort of global to the local, looking at sort of this whole process. And I'm I'm going to sort of um, try and integrate that story into People Are Kind because it's a sort of kind thing to do to engage with music about emotions and real feelings not in the sort of way we think of kindness just doing something good for someone but being kind to yourself and being kind to others by sharing what you feel and what you really are I think that's kindness mm, it's not always just giving something to someone well uh, giving something material mm. it can be giving something of yourself giving your heart giving your creativity giving your soul you know these are all ways that we can sort of be kind. Mm. Last year, before Christmas, a group of us went to a um, um, an old, old people's home, for want of a better better word. But um, we sang Christmas songs and a few other songs as well. 
and the joy that that brought to the people. You know, we're we're not really very good singers, but we sang K Sarah Sarah, and um, uh, sang um, what's that one about? Oh, the train, you know, that the seekers did a um, morning town ride. We did a bit of a train through the uh, through the dining room. <laughs> People thought we were mad, but <laughs> it's great to share, you know, to do something so lively and so fun is really good. Well, the amazing thing about that is if you gener- if you ex- express yourself, you're generating that energy in someone else and they're able to be more freely expressive of themselves. So you're leaving something very liberating behind with you when you go and do things like that. It, it was liberating. We even had hecklers at one place. They were calling out. What about some Elvis? <laughs> how about Silent Night? <laughs> Get back to the religious carol. Thank <laughs> you very much. <laughs> yeah. No, it, and singing is just such a giving thing. Yeah. Yes, and everyone, you know, as my mum used to say, everyone can sing. Mm. And it's, not, it's, it's a physical thing too, to be able to sing. You're physically feeling the expression as well, as well as the emotion. So it's sort of like very holistic way of giving. Yeah. We, actually have, we actually have another singer in the room here with oh. us, don't we? Do you want to tell us, to, do you get a mo- an emotional high out of singing, uh, Sean? Yeah, I just get a, I just, uh, you know, express myself. What, what do you mean by that, emotional high? Well, uh, Linda was talking about how um, she's, like, conveying her feelings to other people and sharing her feelings. Is that what you do when you sing? Yeah, yeah well... My my rap my hip hop's more like kind of spoken word, conscious r- rap. Yeah, pretty much what you do. Like, oh, thank you. Yeah. Quite different styles though. <laughs> yeah, but We're it all not, comes from the same place, I think. That's it. Yeah. So. You want to do any now? Oh, yeah, they can play my track. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got a beat? No. <laughs> well, we do have one of uh, of your songs, so we might play that up next. But Linda, if people want to find out more about you, or would like to find out more about your books, or even purchase a book if they haven't read it yet, where can they go? Um, well, the both books are available on online bookstores, or you can get them from the University of Queensland Press website, which is um, terrible that I don't have. The, I mean, it's Google just it. yeah. yeah, people it. can yes. Google it, yeah. And there's information about me there, or if anyone wants to inquire about my music, it's I'm doing another um, batch of CDs that are coming out soon of that beautiful on the inside album. So at the moment, you'll just be able to email me on l underscore neil at hotmail dot com. I know that's old school, but it's I've never got a virus on that. Um, <laughs> server <laughs> um, but also Linda you're an artist as well would we be able to see um, some of your art through a website um, it's actually going to be on sale through Etsy but uh, it's not quite up yet I'm sorry okay. so I can't yeah. give you that but so we'll look out for it on Etsy it's really interesting that you're talking about all the things I do because for many years I thought I had to stick to one thing mm. but you know I find that there's so much scope for creativity creativity and self-expression that whatever you can do at whatever time that suits you go for it you know and I, I've been lucky I've been able to do that I've been very fo- I mean I feel fortunate to have the opportunity to do it mm. I feel very grateful 
Well, that was, um, well, you know, I haven't heard your music before, but that was fantastic, I think. Um, I'm going to keep an eye out for when the uh, CD comes out, that's for sure. So, But thanks for coming in and having a chat to us today. It's been, it's gone so quick, like you've just done so much. And um, I'll definitely be keeping an eye out for when the... um, the next book comes out as well. Yeah, people are kind. I think that's, I'm hoping that that's what the publisher will let me publish it as because I think it's so simple and straightforward. Mm. And it's a good time in society for it, I think. Yeah. Well, people are very excited about it when I speak about it and they go, oh, I can't wait to get that book, you know, just yeah. with lots of different stories about how you can approach it. Mm. Yeah. Look, I really feel grateful for having the opportunity to come in and you playing my songs, it's just been fabulous. Oh, it's been excellent. Go for Triple Z. You are listening to the Only Human podcast. Only Human is a weekly program on social justice, disability rights, psychology, social research and mental wellness. You can listen in Brisbane on 4ZZZ 102.1 FM and set digital on DAB Plus radios. Love community media? You can support 4ZZZ by subscribing or making a donation at 4zzzfm.org.au